So Daniel 7, verse 1, first of all, and then Revelation 13, and verse 1. And I hope you've brought your knives and forks with you today. Well, by that expression, I just mean I hope that you're hungry for the Word of God today. I hope you're not looking at your watch or your phone to see when it's half twelve. That would be very sad. Oh, no, I trust that you have a desire for the Word of God today. Uh, It's a terrible thing when you sit down for a meal and you have no appetite to eat the food. And, you know, you could be at Buckingham Palace and a, a banquet in front of you, but if you have no appetite for it, there's not much joy in it, is there? I hope you have an appetite for the banquet that King Jesus has for you today. Now, the banquet's not my words. The banquet is on the screen. The Word of God. And if anything is to be achieved today or any other Sunday in our lives, then it will be the Word of God that does the work. And the Word of God alone. So having said that, let's read Daniel chapter 7 verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens drove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the earth, diverse, or we would say different, one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. Amen. So there's Daniel. He has a dream. A dream, uh, and he sees these four beasts. A dream is obviously what you have when you're asleep. And uh, then we move over to Revelation 13, and we find that John doesn't have a dream, but he has a vision. John is wide awake because he's on the Isle of Patmos. Just like Daniel, he's in exile. 
These two men were in exile. They were in captivity whenever the Lord revealed great things to them. So don't be so so don't you be discouraged, child of God, today. If you're going through a difficult time, a trial, it feels like you're in exile, you're in captivity to some issue. God may just have something special to reveal to you. And the Lord is able to bless you today in spite of all your heartaches and burdens. He's able to bless you and he's able to use you. Very often before he uses, he bruises. Mark that. The bruised are the used in God's economy. Wasn't it Jayat who said, When I cease to bleed, I cease to bless. Very often when you're suffering... Whether it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually, very often that's when you're the greatest blessing, though you don't realize it. Daniel was suffering. John was suffering. But my, how the Lord blessed them and used them. Revelation 13 So John has this vision, he's wide awake. That's what a vision is. It's when you're wide awake, you see things. A dream is when you're asleep. John has a vision and he's standing at the seaside. It's nice to go to the seaside, isn't it? There's a lure, there's an attraction about the coast. Probably not in a day like today. But in the summertime when the weather improves... It's a nice place to be. Well, John's at the seaside here. He's at the beach. Revelation 13, verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Now, it's the Mediterranean Sea here because the Isle of Patmos, where John was, is located in the Mediterranean, which literally means middle of the earth. The middle of the earth. He says, He saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, And upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. That word wondered there, it means they adored him. These people here are unconverted. And whenever you fail to adore Christ, then you'll adore the Antichrist. Mark my words. And that's what these people here are doing. And there's a lot of people out there in the world today. And boy, they're ripe for the Antichrist. 
They're just waiting for him. And when he appears, they'll be groveling on their knees before him. They wouldn't get on their knees to Christ and say, Lord, have mercy on me, save me. But as soon as this man appears, they wander after him, they adore him. They are infatuated with him. Verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, or three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. And to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Amen. The beast of Belson, he was known as. His name was Yosef Kramer. He came to Bergen-Belsen, which, by the way, those of you who are into your history, you know it was the concentration camp that was liberated by the British forces, Bergen-Belsen. But Kramer, who was known as the beast of Belsen, he came to Bergen-Belsen in December 1944. He was notorious for his cruelty. He was responsible for the death of thousands of Jewish inmates. He used to set dogs on the prisoners. He used to machine gun the prisoners at burial pits and took great pleasure in it. But he was captured by the British whenever they liberated Bergen-Belsen in April 1945. And as we would say in our part of the worldly goddess comeuppance. Because he was tried by a British military court and sentenced on November the 17th and hanged by the neck until dead. The beast of Belsen. We have read today in Revelation chapter 13 about another beast. He's the worst beast of all. You see, he is part of the satanic trinity. In Revelation 12, 13 and 14, you have the satanic trinity. Martin Luther said that Satan is God's ape. That's the way he put it. The devil is God's ape. In other words, what Luther was was getting at was that the devil loves to copy God. He loves to imitate the Lord. And uh, so the Lord has his trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, the devil also has his trinity. And one member of the trinity is the beast. The beast that we have read about in Revelation 13. We know him better as the Antichrist. 
He imitates God the Son. If you can think about it like this, you've got God the Father and the devil is the equivalent to God the Father in this evil trinity. The Antichrist is the equivalent to God the Son in this evil trinity. And the false prophet, the second beast that we will look at, God willing, next Sunday morning, he's the one who is the equivalent to God the Holy Spirit, the false prophet. So you have this satanic trinity. Keep that in mind. But today's study is the beast or the Antichrist And let's remember that he is the devil incarnate. Just as Christ is God incarnate, so this beast, this antichrist, is the devil incarnate. Or the devil in a human body. A man who's energized by the devil. I want to tell you folks, this is right up to date. What we're studying this morning is buying up to date. You know why I say that? Because Prince Charles referred to him just a few months ago. You remember when Prince Charles, Prince Charles went to that um, climate summit in Glasgow at the beginning of December or the beginning of November? And this is what he said in the course of his speech. We need a vast military style campaign to marshal the strength of the global private sector with trillions at his disposal. His. Who's the his? His disposal. Who is this man that his royal highness referred to? Could it be that he was speaking of the beast, the Antichrist? The Bible is right up to date. It is more up to date than tomorrow's newspaper. So let's think about this this individual. We'll, we'll only really, we'll not perhaps get through all that we intended to say this morning. But we'll do our best to get through as much as possible of the passage that we've read. We have read from the book of Daniel, Daniel's dream about the four beasts. In verse 4 of Daniel 7, the first beast is likened to a lion. And Daniel is describing there the Babylonian empire. It was like a lion because it was powerful, fearsome, and had a ravenous appetite for domination. The Babylonian empire, the lion of Babylon. Then Daniel describes in verse 5 a bear which represents the second great empire, the empire that took over from the Babylonians, which was the Medo-Persian Empire. It's like a bear because it possessed incredible power to crush its enemies. You know how the bear uses its feet to crush its prey. Then Daniel described a leopard, which uh, speaks of the Greek Empire. It was like a leopard because the Greeks were quick to dominate the world. You think of the speed of a leopard and how quickly the Greeks under Alexander the Great and others um, increased and extended their, their empire. 
But then Daniel described a fourth beast, which was different from the first three, and it pictures the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire dominated the ancient world, and we know that at the time of Christ, it was the Roman Empire that was reigning under the Caesars. But then when you come to John's vision in Revelation 13, we have the Antichrist described and the Holy Spirit takes all that Daniel has said and rolls it up all up into one. And the four beasts are sort of combined into one beast in Revelation 13 and and he's the Antichrist, this beast. The Antichrist will possess the power and the personality of all Uh, these ancient empires that Daniel referred to and he will combine all their strengths and possess none of their weaknesses. So for a few moments at the end of our service let me leave some thoughts with you from Revelation 13. In verse 2 you notice it says and the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Here's John, he's standing on, at, at the coast, on the shore of the Mediterranean, uh, and he's wide awake. And he has this vision of a creature, a sea creature, rising up out of the water. And he describes it for us. And he says, whenever it had fully arisen out of the water, he says, it looked like a leopard. A leopard. The Antichrist resembling a leopard. What do you think about when you think about a leopard? Well, we've talked about speed, swiftness. Although I checked last night, the leopard isn't the, it's not the fastest of the animals. You think about the cheetah or the jaguar, they're actually faster, swifter. But I would say the one thing that springs to mind when you talk about a leopard is the spots. It's spots. Jeremiah 13, verse 23. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. The Antichrist is an evil, an evil man, an evil individual. He's got spots and plenty of them. But when you compare him to Christ... You don't find any spots. There's no spots in the Lord Jesus. And I want to major on the Lord Jesus today as I prefer to do every time I preach. You see, the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not a revelation of the Antichrist or anybody else. The focus is on Christ And as we go through this book, we need to always um, focus on the Savior. We need to make him our default position. Christ. So you think about the Antichrist who's going to come on the scene. He's maybe on the scene already. Who knows? But he's got his spots. He's the leopard. But I tell you, the Lord Jesus is the lamb and he has no spots. He's without spot. Isn't that what we love to quote from First Peter? We're redeemed with precious blood as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Without spot. I wonder, are there any leopards in church today? I wonder, is there anybody here today and you've got spots? 
not talking about on your face or whatever. When I, when I remember whenever I was a, a, a schoolboy going through a phase, and I wasn't the only one. Everybody was worried about get, having spots. And, you know, you would have went to any lengths to get rid of your spots. But I'm talking about the spots of sin. Wonder is your spot pride? Pride keeping you back from the Lord today. Pride keeping you back from being saved today. Backslider, maybe it's your pride that's keeping you from coming back to the Lord. Maybe this thing here is your spot. Tell you a lot of people, this is their God today. Or maybe some other kind of screen. Some people, I tell you, and their screen times through the roof. Through the roof. And when you compare their screen time to their Bible reading... Or their prayer time. There's no comparison. It's very sad. Maybe the screen is your spot today. Your sin. Your besetting sin. I'm trying to be specific today folks. No point in me telling you about a lamb without blemish and without spot. If you don't know your sin. If you don't realize why it is you need the lamb. Oh, I wonder, is bitterness your spot today? Is that another spot on you today? Bitterness? Bitterness toward whoever? You maybe haven't said it, nobody knows anything about it, but but your heart's full of bitterness toward an individual. I could go on and on, but you know your spots today. And oh, I trust and I pray that you realize and feel your need of Christ today. Yeah, we can talk about sin, but if we don't make it specific, if we don't make it relevant, then sure, it's just another word, that, another term in evangelical jargon. Are you a leopard today? You still have your spots. So this Antichrist, he's compared to a leopard. If you're a leopard today, a spiritual leopard, you don't need to remain one. You can get rid of your spots. Just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each Spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Will you come today? It says that his feet were as the feet of a bear. Also in verse 2, feet like the feet of a bear. Speaking of the cruelty of the Antichrist. You think that Kramer... That evil man from Bergen-Belsen and all the other minions, Nazi minions, you think they were cruel? And boy, they were. You ought to read about it, you know. 
what the Jews went through. If you think they're cruel, this this beast he's 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 in another league altogether. The cruelty is the bear, feet of a bear. The Antichrist. But oh, I think of the feet of Christ. Feet that were crucified for, for me. Pierced for me. His reign shall know no end. And round his pierced feet. Fair flowers of paradise extend their fragrance ever sweet. Feet of Christ are conquering feet. Hallelujah. First. Corinthians 15, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. I wouldn't like to be an an enemy of Christ when he comes back again. I wouldn't like to be on the opposite side when he comes back. I wouldn't like to be his enemy. Are you his enemy today? Are your sins under the blood? If not, when he returns, he will crush you because you have despised and rejected his salvation and his precious blood that he shed for you. He will show you no mercy. But today there is mercy. With Christ there's mercy. Today we're in the, still in the day of grace. If only you'll come to him. With all your spots, you'll find mercy and plenty of it. Come see the cross where love and mercy meet. As the Son of God is stricken, then see his foes lie crushed beneath his feet. For the conqueror has risen. It says also in verse 2 that his mouth is as the mouth of a lion, the Antichrist. John sees him, his his mouth's like the mouth of a lion. Verse 5, and there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. Verse 6, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. He's a loud mouth, the Antichrist. Oh, he can talk. And he's got a filthy tongue and he blasphemes the Lord. Takes his name in vain, shakes his puny fists. At the Almighty. And everybody worships him. Isn't that amazing? Verse 4. They worship the beast. Saying who is like unto the beast. All the Christ haters love this. Ultimate Christ hater. The Antichrist. Birds of a feather flock together. We read in verses 5 and 6. That he defies God. Verse 7. He dominates the nations. Verse 8, he deceives the masses. Verse 8, notice it there. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Hard to believe that the people worship him. They They wouldn't worship the one who was nailed to the tree for them. The one who... Shed his blood for them. They refused to worship him. But whenever this individual appears on the scene. They can't worship him quick enough. They're tripping over themselves to worship him. Idolatry. That's what it is. The the ultimate form of idolatry. 
But let me finish. Time has gone. Verse 9. If any man have an ear, let him hear. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Now there's something interesting going on here. Something important going on. Because back in chapters 2 and 3, you remember we studied the seven churches. And after the message came to every church, this is what John said. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. But here in chapter 13, it's different now. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Spot the difference. There's no mention of the Spirit. And there's no mention of the church. Wonder why that would be. Because the Spirit's gone. The church is gone. The rapture has taken place. The trumpet has sounded. It's too late to be saved. Because when the Spirit's gone, you can't be saved. You see, salvation is his work. He strives with a person. He shows them their sin. He makes them realize their guilt. He convicts them. And then he brings them to Christ. He leads them. He draws them to Christ. And he says... Bring your sin to Jesus. There's a fountain opened for sin and uncleanness. Come to the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. But whenever the Spirit is gone, nobody can be saved. Don't you leave it until then now to get right with God. I'm not standing here for the good of my health. I'm standing here today because I have a duty to warn you if you're not right with God, if you're, you're lost or you're backslidden or you're playing about with sin. I have a duty to tell you that you need to prepare and you need to get your house in order. Before the trumpet sounds, before the church goes and before the spirit leaves. Too late. Too late shall be the cry. Jesus of Nazareth has passed you by.